IEEE SA Voice shares insights and perspectives from the IEEE SA community, subject matter experts, and industry leaders that are working to raise the world standards, drive market solutions, and much more, keeping you at the forefront of technological innovation for the benefit of humanity. Welcome everyone to the next edition of IEEE SA's Rethink Health podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the great debate in contact tracing technologies and applications, ethical considerations in protecting personal privacy and public health. We need wearables, biosensors, and other connected medical devices to be safe and secure so that we can do more with them while protecting the privacy of patients. Together with the IEEE SA Whammy program, let's rethink the strategy on security and safety before the device even touches the patient. To learn more about Whammy and help set a standard for securing connected wireless medical devices, visit IEEE-WAMIII.org. And Wham! You can make an impact on the healthcare ecosystem. I'm your host, Maria Palombini. I'm the leader of the IEEE Standards Association Healthcare Life Sciences Practice. You may wonder why we're doing this podcast series, Rethink Health. The reality is that there are so many new technologies, applications, scientific breakthroughs, and more frequent recurrence of unexpected natural disasters such as pandemics that makes us really have to think how are we going to rethink the healthcare system so that we can deliver better care for you, me, and anyone so we all should have the right to better care. This series will feature guests for technologists, ethicists, clinical and medical researchers, advocates, and any other committed or passionate stakeholder who is pushing the bounds in our approach to better healthcare. We're not just talking about bedside practice or therapy development. We're looking at any aspect that impacts our care and how do we make it better and how do we make it universal for everyone. So with that, today I would like to welcome Ali Hassami to our discussion. He's going to talk about this contact tracing technology and application. It's a very hot topic, thank you to COVID-19. They've been around for a while, but now they've come to uh, center stage, and it's something we're all debating, public uh, health versus private personal data privacy. So I want to first thank you, Ali Hassami, for joining us. Welcome to the series. Pleasure, Maria. I'm uh, honored to be uh, involved in this uh, podcast. Ali, maybe you could tell us a little bit about the work you do as Innovation Director at Vegas Systems, but I know you're heavily involved in a lot of the work in IEEE and IEEE SA's ethics program, so perhaps you can give us a little information um, about that. Of course. Uh, my role in Vegas Systems has been really largely focused on tackling critical problems through innovative technology and solutions, basically. So that uh, borders with many aspects, uh, such as system thinking, system engineering, that's my general background as a physicist, as well as knowledge and risk management practices that I've been doing over many decades in industry, largely, and a bit of involvement in the academic uh, research, publication, and teaching. In the IEEE SA, I got involved roughly three and a half, probably four years ago. I've been an IEEE member for over 35 years, but in the SA's environment, I got involved with IEEE P7000 uh, technology ethics standard uh, initially as a working group member and ultimately honored to accept leading the work as a chair. At the end of 2018, I was asked to 
basically process uh, manage and architect an approach to ethics certification for SA. I was given a very brief remit and since then I've been largely involved in the ethics certification program for autonomous and intelligent systems, ECPAS for short, where we have been looking at what kind of qualifications are needed for technology embedded products and services, largely autonomous and AI categories to make them ethically acceptable societally and make them successful. And one latest initiative has been application of similar approach and thinking towards contact tracing and proximity tracing risk mitigation technologies. So you're a very, very busy person, as I understand. <laughs> uh, when it comes to, you know, we're in COVID-19, everything's virtual, and we have great experts speaking on our podcast, but I always like to humanize the person behind the expertise. Perhaps you can share with us, you're very passionate, um, and I know this because I see the, the all the different people involved in the AP 7000 series and the ethics programs. You're very passionate about this topic. Maybe you could share with us a little bit about what personally drives you. What is it? Where is this passion? What, do, what inspires you to be a part of this? If I may indulge, I'm a follower of mysticism of the Eastern uh, nature and a couple of people I revere in my life and private life, of course, are the Persian mystics. Two particular names, uh, the poet Rumi, who was a mystic and not just a poet, and his master, a poet called Atta. Now, these people really focused on paths to fostering harmony in the society and spirituality. And if I can just, uh, from my favorite work, that brief uh, quatrain from Rumi, which was promoted by Coleman Barks, uh, whom I follow as well, he says, this world is in deep trouble from top to bottom, but it can be swiftly healed by the balm of love. And that, frankly, uh, translates into what can build bridges for goodwill and understanding over barriers that we encounter in, in life. To me, uh, ethics, uh, respecting other people's differences and values is an excellent bridge-building uh, environment. That's what ensues me to get involved in P7000 series of standards, in a number of them indeed, and later greatly honored and embraced the responsibility for developing ethical certification criteria, again, with the same aim to promote and foster ethical values in technology that's ultimately uh, devised for the benefit of humanity. For our audience who may not be familiar, IEEE has a globally renowned initiative and the global initiative on um, autonomous systems. You can definitely find it uh, on our website on standards.ieee.org if you're interested and just as passionate as Ali and the rest of the hundreds of other individuals who are participating in those projects. Right now, I want to get to the core of what we're here for, contact tracing technologies. So we know they're, they're in the news. Everybody's talking about them thanks to COVID, but they've been around for a while, just not so widespread. Most people don't know that. In your research, what is it actually mean when we say a contact tracing technology and applications, regardless whether we're using it for an infectious disease such as COVID or some other public health matter? 
going back to uh, the story around how human society effectively globally have responded to the threat and the uh, major scourge of this pandemic, we have really not been very successful. We haven't been prepared adequately. We haven't responded with sufficient insight and effectiveness. It gave us the impression that, as IEEE strapline implies, we are really trying to contribute to the advancement of technology for the benefit of humanity. Since there was already an ongoing project on ethical uh, qualification of products and services in consultation with the managing director of SA, we managed to agree that a line of work on how to make contact tracing uh, more successful globally as the current only technological solution that we have available to us to mitigate the risks of spread of the pandemic would have been in line with our strapline and our philosophy in IEEE. So contact tracing is basically using any form of technology or proximity tracing sometimes referred to to identify how close we have been to other contacts, other human beings in any context, family, social, general public context. And in, in the event that one of those people we have been in proximity or even ourselves have tested positive regarding possibility of having caught the uh, pandemic uh, COVID uh, virus, then uh, informing others to take protective uh, measures and stop the spread. So any technology, whether it's an application that you download on your mobile device to any wearable technology is subject to the study that we started some 11 weeks ago. And in, uh, in a fairly fast-track project, we managed to get to the bottom of essential char ethical characteristics of any such technology, and not just a particular application of it, that are necessary to engender public trust in these technologies so that they are taken up, they become more effective, and ultimately end up saving lives. For sure. It's definitely something I think people are still grasping in, from the you know uh, common citizen to technologist to everybody. There's been a lot about already in the last six to eight months since contact tracing technology started to surface, we've seen various challenges with them, you know, whether it be some sort of central repository information, or we find that they're using a Bluetooth proximity tool so that you can say somebody within 50 feet, your app would dictate that that person has it. All of these, as, as anything, they come with deficits. So what are some of the deficits that you're seeing in these tracing technologies or applications that you really feel that, you know, the technical community or ethicists, the data scientists, or whoever have to come together to really ensure that we have citizen consent to participate in them, but as well as that we can safeguard confidentiality. Indeed. Uh, if we look at the history, and this is uh, only last couple of uh, few months, indeed, of uh, successes and lack of successes of uh, rolling out these technologies as a short-term solution whilst we are waiting for um, vaccines against the virus uh, to emerge in the global community, technologically, this is one of the very few promising solutions that we have. But as any technology, this has been uh, quickly put together as a means to an end, in the sense that the end is to try and reduce 
contamination, reduce the spread. And this is one very simple and technically feasible solution that we don't need to do a lot of R&D on. Of course, on the downside, there are many dimensions, but those dimensions are often to do with ethical properties of these in terms of how transparent is the way technology is operating, who are behind its development, what is their mindset, is there a clear concept of operation, is there a, a reasonable attempt at ethically architecting such solutions so that our data are not kept on central servers and hacked and abused, is there any form of confidence in the ecosystem behavior, it's not just the technology, it's the other players, and all of these, including how do we operate and how do we keep vigilance during the operation and uh, eventually the demise and uh, retirement of such technology, whatever it is, whether it's a downloadable app or a wearable uh, electronic product, we need some clarity in this. The technology has got some uh, shortcomings, such as lack of precision in uh, proximity measurement. Uh, what does exposure mean? How long is long enough to be considered to be at risk because it uses Bluetooth low energy uh, that's embedded in most mobile devices for other purposes as means of proximity detection with other people. On the ethical side, Matters of transparency, uh, communicating with the society, with the citizens you're trying to protect, uh, how is the device architected, how is the overall operation, who are the stakeholders, who would have access to our data, would it be shared with other government agencies, etc.? There is a significant lack of transparency in such matters. Governments, of course, rushed by desperate necessity to come up with a solution to get out of lockdown and go back to some form of normal economic activity, are rushing these technologies or even some private enterprises without sufficient clarity and transparency. The second part is lack of sufficient accountability in the sense that we want to know who are the key decision makers and where our grievances go and when things go wrong, who are the responsible people or bodies or entities, especially since we are talking about massive large-scale adoption and implementation of such solutions in such a hasty manner. And the final aspect is matters of privacy. We know that in Europe we have protection of privacy by legislation called GDPR, but we are talking about ethical privacy. In what manner our personal data is respected and regarded as private to us rather than become some entity's property, whether it's a public entity, government entity, etc. So these three matters were the focus of the fast track study that we started sometime in uh, June, late June, and we managed to put our first interim report on what kind of actions, behaviors, and practices and policies can safeguard against uh, abuses in accountability or undermining accountability, transparency, and privacy. 
Hence, a report which was issued in July as the interim report, and the team and myself have been working hard to complete the study, and I'm pleased to announce that the study is being completed, and now we are in the final stages of putting a more comprehensive set of criteria and a report that's going to be shared by SA as a Creative Commons global uh, attribution, uh, as a non-commercial product with the whole international community, uh, with the focus of actually helping governments, uh, city states, uh, public and private uh, duty holders to actually declare how they have gone about preserving these attributes of privacy, transparency, and accountability in the architecture and the solutions that are rolling out again, with the final intent of providing trust and confidence in the public and more take-up and more effectiveness of technology to save lives. I could very much sense your passion and your advocacy for for this work. I mean, you already answered two of my next questions on transparency and accountability because I was having the same concerns and wondering how you all were addressing them. So now we're coming to our final segment, which is an action. We need to take an action, right? The idea of Rethink Health is we want to actually do something to make it better. In this case, I know we talked of, you already sort of previewed the paper, and we'll leave that to the end to the audience to tell them how they can get to it. There's a lot at stake because I believe that contact tracing technologies, thanks to COVID, may be sustainable and used in other applications. I think we need to understand, like, what will allow it to be sustainable, but in a way that people meaning you and I and everybody else, feel like it's responsibly used and we can establish trust in the use of it. Like, where where do you and the team feel like is needed there? Well, um, when we started this work, all passionate about how quickly we can generate a workable, comprehensive solution for supporting government and private and public enterprises' efforts towards rolling out such mitigation technologies against the pandemic, we uh, actually decided that there was insufficient time and there was huge urgency in coming up with sensible parameters in terms of ethical assurance if you like. What we did, we uh, tapped into the work in the uh, ethics certification program that we had developed prior uh, to COVID indeed uh, last year. Uh, We developed three sets of ethical criteria for certification of autonomous and intelligent systems on ethical transparency, ethical accountability, and freedom from unethical bias. And we decided that best solution was to uh, adopt one of those and, if you like, configure and adapt and modify and tailor that towards the needs of contact tracing. So fundamentally, it was around accountability and transparency uh, models that we had already developed. And these models have a huge body of criteria for ethical assurance. We basically decided that because of the urgency, we couldn't afford the luxury of a comprehensive uh, ground up uh, sort of greenfield site study. We could build on some of those criteria that we already had. And that's exactly what we have done. That's why we have a two-phase output. We decided within uh, 
roughly 10 weeks, we have reached a stage where we can share some of our findings through an interim report, which we have already published, and uh, the work continued to completion. Now, we are hoping that uh, before end of October, early November, our final report would also be shared under this Creative Commons attribution for global access and benefits, so that basically any entity who's got these solutions is aware of aspects that are highly conducive to um, generating public trust. For example, avoid behavioral obfuscation. Don't cover up any aspect of technology behavior. Don't be concerned with liability. Do not uh, sort of try and protect secrets and intellectual property in the rollout of such things. Do not cater for any feature that can lend it open to abuse. And on the plus side, make sure there are sufficient competencies in the design and understanding and governance of the institutions who generate such technologies, declare the intent and concept of operation with everyone transparently, architect it in such a way that it doesn't lend itself to hacking and abuse and loss of data, uh, make the users aware of how they are interacting with the system, how is the system tracking them, uh, is the system accessing their address book as well, or just taking proximity information. Generally, uh, make human supervision and oversight a feature of such systems rather than total autonomous systems based on uh, auton uh, AI and ultimately manage the operational risks. So these were the concerns that are factored in our fast-track study. And our first report covers part of these issues, and final report covers all of these issues to a fair amount of detail. Just to give you a feel, our first report has roughly 55 parameters for ethical transparency, accountability, and bias in contact tracing. And our second report is likely to be doubling that uh, and more. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more. So our, on this paper on pandemics uh, and ethics and contact tracing applications, are you still accepting or are still open for comments and feedback? Is there a timeline for that, or what's the, the process there for, for that? Okay, the, uh, the report uh, is published uh, late July and is being available mm -hmm. uh, for free download from IEEE-SA site. Mm -hmm. It's called IEEE Use Case Criteria for Addressing Ethical Challenges in Transparency, Accountability, and Privacy of CTA, which stands for Contact Tracing Application, a stroke CTT, contact tracing technology. Our focus, and it's a global call for consultation. We are really sharing our insights and our criteria with the global community. We believe these are a comprehensive and reasonably broad enough set of ethical parameters that can be accepted across many cultures. The deadline for commenting was also announced to be 1st of September, but recognizing that August was a holiday season in spite of the scourge of COVID, we have extended it till 18th of September. So the people are still welcome from any institution or as an individual to send comments as I also alluded to, that was an interim report, and we are in the final stages of basically creating the final and most comprehensive report with a very comprehensive set of ethical criteria by uh, end of October. 
And we are also planning a webinar to explain this to the global community, to explain our intent, our approach, and uh, if you like, the value proposition from this non-commercial sharing of insights for the benefit of humanity on 10th of October at 10 o'clock Eastern time, where the experts, uh, myself as the chair and the vice chair of the uh, ethics certification, would be present to explain both the way we have worked together, our purpose, benefits for others, and also rationalize why do we need to invest energy and time in making technology uh, trusted before we roll it out for the, even for the benefit of the society. And we will feature both the link to, to sign up for the webinar. We also have a link currently for the paper on the homepage of the IEEE Healthcare Life Science Practice site which is ieesa.io backslash HLS. You can find the information. We'll be posting the webinars. I believe it's already open for registration and we'll have a link there as well. We're actually coming to our close. I mean, there's been so much great information, Ali. I feel like we could do this for two hours, but I just want, is there any final thought that you would like to impart with our audience? Something for them to really think about because this is such a current and very, you know, uh, something that's on our minds and it's very current in front of us. It, it actually pains us to have medicine and solutions, but no trust. That's our starting point. If you look at the uh, lack of take-up of these technologies, which are currently the only uh, medicine we have, if you like, against the virus that a majority of global community are suffering from, this is one technology that could be easily successfully rolled out as problematic as it is in some aspects in terms of lack of precision, et cetera. But nevertheless, we have a solution. And the only failing on behalf of the global community has been the mannerism of explaining, respecting public opinion, and, uh, and explaining. So the final thought I would suggest is that as a sort of I treat it as a global responsibility. It is upon all of us, especially decision makers and uh, public bodies and governmental bodies, to actually not just think technologically uh, for quick fixes, but also why should the public trust such quick fixes? Look at the process it takes to generate uh, a vaccine. And why do people trust the vaccine? Because it goes through an enormous amount of verification and validation. We haven't done that successfully for contact tracing. And our attempt at delving into details of what make it transparent, accountable, and technically respectful of people's privacy is one attempt, not the entirety of it, but one attempt to try and support understanding and trust in these technologies. Then if majority adopt it and adapt it and apply it, we are going to hopefully maximize protection for the society and much faster return to uh, some normal uh, social and economic life. So it is really uh, amazingly um, 
indicative of the necessity for humanizing technology to care for the society by explaining what happens to people's data, who owns it, how is it shared, when does the technology stop, uh, when, what is the sunset criteria, etc. And none of those have been done virtually anywhere that I know with the catastrophic consequence that in most societies, even in Western Europe, you end up uh, with countries who were suffering most and the general public faced with single uh, only solution uh, on the horizon that could protect them automatically with the use of a common old commercial kits such as a mobile phone uh, decided uh, that they were not trusting uh, their data to such technology because they didn't understand how it was going to operate and in what way they could be victimized or used for surveillance etc and in some countries the statistics show that less than 3% of the population, even though they were suffering from this pandemic, only trusted and downloaded the application. This is desperately poor in time of crisis. We need to do much better than this. And our attempt is but one very small token gesture towards how to do better. I think that's very well said, uh, the statistic that you uh, pointed out and something that we really need, but yet we don't trust, so we don't engage. Thank you, Ali, for this really insightful, interesting conversation. I'm so delighted that you joined me today. And I want to thank our audience for listening in. And I hope you will check out the rest of our episodes on the podcast series. We're covering everything from clinical research, wearables, decentralized health technologies, everything that we can to make it better for all of us. And if you want to get involved in any of our activities, uh, we're looking at incubator programs, again, for decentralized health technologies and toolkits to drive adoption of decentralized clinical trials, establishing privacy and security in the use of wireless connected medical devices. Our newest program coming up is going to be in telehealth, privacy, security, and connectivity for all, especially in a world of pandemics. Um, we definitely please visit our website at ieesa.io backslash HLS. Thank you everyone again, and I look forward to you to joining us on our next episode. On behalf of IEEE Standards Association and IEEE SA Voice, thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit standards.ieee.org. We hope you'll join us again soon.